Hi guys, welcome back to our two-parter of the Heyman Lee case. Do you not think this feels a bit odd, Joe? Like, because it's like the first two-parter to be like, welcome back. I know. We've never done a two-parter before. I feel like it's a bit of a, it's kind of like a time warp. I mean, all the days are literally just rolling into one. I don't know what's, what does time mean anymore? What are the days? What are the weeks? I don't even know. Um, I mean, if you guys don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, so... I, poor wee Jo, she's, she's trapped. <laughs> I am quite literally locked inside my house. I am isolating just now. My poor dad has COVID, so, um, and I live at home, so. How about I am is he feeling alright? Totally fine. There's literally oh. nothing, this is, honestly, don't, don't twist my words, guys, like, don't get me wrong, I am so grateful that everyone is fine, everyone is so healthy, but it's like, because he's totally fine, none of us have any symptoms at all, and the weather's really nice today. It's really nice and sunny. Like this, it it's just, and I can't leave the house. Like it just feels so weird that I can't go. But there's like literally nothing wrong with us. Well, obviously one of us is positive. I'm probably positive. Like there's no way that he's got it and he hasn't passed it on to me because mm-hmm. it's so infectious, especially the second strain. So I probably have it, but I just don't feel anything and I can't leave. I don't know. It's just really strange. But um, we're all fine. We're all healthy. Maybe my mental stability is hanging on by a thread. I don't know, but we will get there. I've only got um. I think I've got seven days left. Oh God, so, um, seven days. I know. It is weird, but, you know, this is when it's times like this when I can see why people would be tempted to just patch it because, like, you feel totally fine. But don't do it, guys. Follow the rules. If you need to isolate, please isolate. Um, it's not even that bad. I mean, it's not even that different from my normal life. I just can't go out for my daily walks. We know how much I love my daily walks. They're just a highlight of my day. I would genuinely like count down the, like the minutes to go for my walk. I've got the same time every day, and they were just they were great. I just loved them, but now I can't do that. So um, yeah, it's a bit strange. So I honestly feel like I'm all the days are just rolling into one. What day, morning, night? I don't even know. It's all just it's all just one. It's just day. Just I feel like this probably is quite a good time for you. It's like well, like we've got hundreds of uni work. And yeah, well, this is the thing. I am literally trapped inside my house with nothing else to do, and I still can't bring myself to do my uni work or to do my dissertation. It's embarrassing. It's becoming a problem. I don't even know. I don't. I don't know what to say for myself. I can't even explain it. But I just, yeah, it's embarrassing. I know. But I think it's the fact as well. You're being told to stay inside. You're like, I don't want to do this work. Like, I can't believe I have to stay inside. <laughs> I'm like, this is this is a hate crime. Why not? <laughs> Your harassment tracking trace. <laughs> but you know, I only got the like the track and trace thing hours after because my I don't know when my dad found out he had COVID, but I think it was in the morning and then my mum dad obviously told us right away. Um but then I didn't get contact with track and trace like until quite a while after. Like I could have gone out and about and met a lot of people in that time. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean it is what it is. Track and trace are, you know, what can they do? They can't exactly like phone 100 people instantly at once so does your dad get the phone calls like i'm obsessed with this guy on tiktok and he like does he's like hi it's joe from track and trace (laughs) he does like he did one with donald trump like he's done one with beyonce and it's so funny like one that's like i'm track and trace now phoning my ex to tell them they have to isolate (laughs) does your dad get those phone calls like someone phoning to be like hi you still in the house i don't know if he gets i don't know if he's had that yet we are only like three days in so maybe he'll have that like more around the halfway mark maybe in a few days mm-hmm. but um I don't think we've had any of that yet but I think he did have to like all his contact yeah but the, oh my god I got the text from like the the government you know to say that you have to isolate and they spelled my name wrong what your first day or second name they said they said Joanne jo- oh, Joanne's I, I actually could have been like my name's not Joanne so actually you've got the wrong person 
don't think this is the right number. I don't know how this is. Um, yeah, I was actually like, this is just kind of embarrassing. You're ashamed of yourself. Are you not embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> really embarrassing. Um, but yeah, that's that's my update, guys. Um, currently isolating. Um, will I be using this to get my dissertation supervisor to feel a bit sorry for me? I think I will. Yeah, probably. Um, I actually did wonder because when we were on the seminar in first day for criminal, you obviously you weren't feeling great, so you had your camera off. Um, oh yeah, I mean it wasn't related to COVID. I had cramps, but um, anyway. Yeah, but I'm chatting anyways. Oh, chat anyways. Um. But yeah, no, I was definitely like, I could just be, I could actually just say to my supervisor, like, oh, I have COVID, I'm like so unwell. I mean, literally, no, I don't feel a single thing. Um, but yeah. Go I wonder guys. if this is quite good if you isolate though, because then that, te- not, like, not that I'm saying like that's you immune, obviously after you still need to be careful. And But hmm. supposedly that does, if you have it now, that's quite good for you and your family, because then... Yeah, well, we were actually talking about that because I think they think that your kind of immunity after you get COVID is what, like five or six months or something like that? Yeah, is it's that been they... a long time. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we said like, because we have it now, if we do get um, immunity from it, then we'll probably be immune until like we get the vaccine. So um, I know it's quite interesting, but then it's always also going to be like, knowing that, I mean, I don't know that I'm immune, obviously, because I actually have a test to show that I have the antibodies, mm-hmm. but if I probably am, and I, like, if we're still on lockdown, I'll just be like, oh, man, he's testing me. You're but, sitting there with your, your superpowers immunity. I am immune. If you're banging the windows to get back out of the pubs. Me, we're at the door of the gym. Let me in. I'm immune. <laughs> um, but no, we follow the rules here, guys. Do what Nicola tells us. Or Boris, if you're, you know, not Scottish. But I can see why that would be harder if it was you Boris. Know. But I actually saw a tweet the other day and it resonated with me so much. Right? <laughs> it was about Nicola Sturgeon and it was see people who call her wee nippy. <laughs> <laughs> it actually gets under my skin like I've never explained. Like I didn't I couldn't even into words, but like it was a girl tweeted, I can't even mind who it was, and it basically was just her being like, Oh, people that uh, call Nicola Sturgeon wee nippy is pure play playground partner. And I was actually like, Do you know what? I'm so glad you said that because that's always really annoyed me. <laughs> I didn't know people called her that. We nippy. Have you never heard? It's a pure, I would say, like fifty-year-old man thing to do. Oh all oh, we nippies in the telly. Because <laughs> 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 people think she's pure, like it's like obviously chatting that. That's so funny. Oh my god, I'm gonna try using it. Oh, it's we nippy today. Oh. Like, I honestly could imagine a Witherspoon's full of old men being like, "Oh, it's we nippy in the telly again." <laughs> Okay, guys, so let's get back into the story. We left off Adnan being sentenced to life in prison, which was a controversial decision that brought closure for some and a lot of unsettlement for others. Adnan is consistently stated that he's maintained his innocence since the beginning, and as he was handcuffed after the sentencing, he stated, I have faith in the Lord. I know I didn't kill her. The Lord knows I didn't kill her. Adnan's legal team appealed the decision on February the 27th of 2002, but it was denied just over a year later. In May 2010, a new appeal for a post-conviction relief was launched on the basis that Adnan had inadequate assistance of counsel during his trial. Adnan's new lawyer, C. Justin Crown, 
highlighted a number of failings by the original lawyer, Cristina Gutierrez, which prejudiced his chances at a fair trial. One of the main criticisms of Cristina was that she failed to call an alibi witness named Asia McLean. Now, this is quite important. Asia McLean was a fellow student at Woodlawn High School at the time of Hayes' murder. She states that she saw Adnan after school on January 13th at the library. This was the day that Hay was killed, meaning that this would have given Adnan a solid alibi. Asia had wrote to Adnan back in 1999, asking him to call her because her and her boyfriend could have given Adnan an alibi and that the public library's surveillance system could prove it. So... Asia wrote in the letter, if you were in the library for a while, tell the police, and I have continued to tell what I know, even louder than I am. My boyfriend and his best friend remember seeing you there too. Interestingly, Asia also informs Adnan that the police had not yet been notified to my knowledge. Maybe it will give your side of the story a slight head start. In the second letter, which was shortly wrote after the first, Asia told him how the students and teachers of Woodlawn High School responded to his arrest. There's a notable part in the letter which Asia questioned why Adnan hadn't told the police about their conversation. She said, why have you not told anyone about talking to me in the library? Did you think it was unimportant? Did you think I wouldn't remember? Or did you just totally forget yourself? She asked, how long did you stay in the library that day? Your family will probably try and obtain the library surveillance tape. Where exactly did you go and what did you do that day? And what is the so-called evidence that my statement is up against? And who are these witnesses? Despite this important piece of information, Gutierrez never chased up the letter. Syed's friend, Rabia Chowdhury, who we discussed in the previous episode, was the one who found out that Gutierrez never called Asia to testify. Chowdhury then asked McLean to write an affidavit, which she did. Once on the 25th of March 2000 and the 2nd on the 13th of January in 2015. In her second affidavit, she stated that it felt like she was being pushed away from the trial, saying, Yurik told me there was no merit to any claims that Syed did not get a fair trial. Yurik discussed the evidence of the case in a manner that seemed designed to get me to think that Syed was guilty and that I should not bother even participating in the case by telling what I knew about January 13th, 1999. Yurik convinced me into believing that I should not participate in any ongoing proceedings. This is very, very sketch to me. This is quite clearly a really, really important thing for the defence. Like, if they can prove that he was somewhere else round about the time of the murder like why wouldn't you have that in court like that's so that's like so damning that he didn't do it I don't know if damning's the right word but you know what I mean like that's so I mean I don't know it just seems really strange and then for her to basically be convinced not to even give this evidence and not to like testify that just seems very 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 unfair to me yeah I don't really understand why as a defence lawyer you wouldn't go through all the alibis like even let's say you thought it was weak you were like oh this is really really weak right like you would still attempt it and it's the only alibi you had again we've talked about this in a a previous episode like the defense 
they don't actually have to like provide their own concrete set of events that happened it's the prosecution that has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this person was guilty so if the defense can just plant that little bit of doubt within the jury's mind that's all they really need so they don't even need to like provide this whole you know concrete bulletproof like this is what happened instead and this is why my client didn't do it they just have to kind of start picking holes in the prosecution's story so this is just such a like a big piece of evidence that helps them do that I just don't get why they would just overlook it so much yeah I honestly really don't understand it and then it was actually the lawyer Christina she actually got disbarred like not long after this which I think shows you that the whole appeal for like inadequate standards does kind of stand in October 2012 the post-conviction relief case was heard and two months later the circuit court for Baltimore City denied his attempt for appeal. Addressing the Asia McLean complaint specifically, the written decision read as follows. It appears that the trial counsel was aware, made aware of Miss McLean and made a strategic decision not to pursue her for the purpose of an ally, uh, an ally? Sorry. The purpose of an alibi. So basically, in other words, the court ruled that not calling or investigating Asia was actually a strategic move on Christina's part and, like, not evidence of inadequate assistance of counsel. So, like, I kind of get where they're coming from, what they're saying, or like, the defence obviously didn't think it was a strong enough alibi, that's why they didn't call her, but it kind of just plays into their whole rhetoric that he had the all-right standard. But it still doesn't... How is that a strategic move, though, on her part? Like, It's a very bad strategic move, if it was one. Exactly. Like, if, you're, if you've got a client... This is obviously... This is quite a very controversial case. You know, a young teenage girl has been murdered. Like, there's a lot of kind of public pressure on this case. Like, why would you just let this slide? I just don't understand how... And when it is such a high-profile case, I don't think that's the time to be playing strategic <laughs> moves. Like, you know, you want to be doing things right. All eyes are on you. You don't want to fuck this up. It's like, why are you trying to be all strategic? Like, by not calling such a key witness? It just makes you look even worse if you can't even manage to do that, right? Oh, like, it's the fact as well he didn't have an alibi. It's not even like she, he had a stronger alibi that she went with. Exactly. Yeah, they're saying as if, like, this Asia's account wasn't concrete enough, which, okay, fair enough, because that does happen. Sometimes someone does have some sort of quote evidence but you just know as a lawyer like the you know the crown or the prosecutor are going to absolutely rip this person to shreds it's so not reliable the jury are going to see right through it it's just going to make us look you know stupid like I can understand not wanting to put that forward but when you literally have nothing else no other alibi which obviously if you don't have an alibi for the time of the murder that makes you look a bit suspicious why wouldn't you provide that if you do have one it makes absolutely no sense to me it makes absolutely no sense and I think some of the court understood this because then on February 6th of 2015 which is obviously quite a while after that like three years Adnan was given permission to appeal the denial so Maryland's Court of Special Appeals granted Adnan's application to appeal it and the court later sent Adnan's case back to Baltimore City Circuit Court which I also think, side note, all this moving about is part of it as well. Like, it con- like it, the case was literally jumping from court to court. Like, it was very... Which obviously happens in, like, legal things. Like, you've got a high court or sheriff court here and all that. 
but it was just there was never like a set structure like it felt like that's why it took so long constantly yeah it just like drags the whole thing out and it makes it so messy like if you're going from one court to the other like yeah especially for the families and stuff it's just like stringing it out so long and it just takes such a long time and this was where Adnan's attorney filed a motion asking for the post-conviction relief case to be reopened and in August of the same year no evidence was submitted based on evidence that attorney Susan Simpson had uncovered about the unreliability of the cell tower evidence. So in the original trial the prosecution focused intently on Syed's cell phone records and specifically his incoming call log to determine Adnan's location on the day of Lee's disappearance. Simpson discovered an instruction sheet from AT&T, which was not used in the original trial, which stated that incoming calls cannot be reliably used to determine location. Brown argued the cell tower evidence used against him was unreliable and that that should not have been even used as evidence within the trial. Shockingly, in a later filing, the prosecution's expert witness, Abraham Waranowitz, I hope, signed an affidavit confirming that he was not shown the AT&T instruction sheet and that it would have changed his testimony. Which is a side note, AT&T, that's like a, a cell phone provider, isn't it, in America? Yeah, that's. I had to Google this when I was reading through it because I was very confused. I was like, is this some sort of fancy legal term that I don't know? Like, that's not <laughs> worrying. And yeah, no, it's just like, it's like free mobile here or like Tesco mobile, yeah. whatever, I think. So eventually... On November 6, 2015, the Circuit Court agreed to a new post-conviction relief hearing to cover lots of the new evidence. So this evidence included Asia's testimony, the cell tower evidence, the allegations of ineffective assistance of counsel relating to both, and the possibility of prosecutorial misconduct during the original trial. When deciding to reopen the relief hearing, Judge Welsh noted that reopening the proceedings would have been in the interest of justice for all the parties. So it was seeming quite positive at this point. Like, it's not often I think you get a case where, or like, to reopen it would be fair on both sides. Normally, an appeal is only really on the defence. So I thought that was quite interesting in like how that judge was quite strong in their opinion. And the relief hearing was held between the 2nd of February to the 9th of February in 2016, but it was originally only scheduled to last for two days. The court heard testimony from a number of key witnesses, including Asia McLean and Gerald R. Grant, who was an expert witness on cell phone. It feels so weird saying cell phone. It's like mobile phone. Very American. Yeah, I felt very American there. Uh, on cell phone technology. This led to Adnan's conviction being vacated, which means to order a new trial, on the evidence heard at the hearing and a petition was put out to allow Adnan out on bail until his new trial. In his full written opinion, Welch noted that Jay Wilde's testimony was inconsistent with the state's version of events and that Gutierrez, quote, rendered ineffective assistance when she failed to cross-examine the state's expert witness regarding the reliability of cell tower location evidence. Given that such a cross-examination could have led to a different outcome, 
Welch concluded that Syed should be granted a new trial. I mean, that's pretty incredible to me. Like, after all this time, what, it's been like 16 years or something by this point? It's taken this long and they've finally recognised that, okay, the first trial was a complete shambles. Like, total ineffective assistance of counsel. Like, the state's very floppy evidence is what I'm going to say. I mean, they just had like a bunch of random people. I mean, they had a bunch of random people and then they were like, some people weren't like, you know, they didn't use Asia like about her testimony and all that. Like this just whole, the whole thing was just a mess. Like imagine being Adnan, like you've been in jail for 16 years fighting about how, you know, your trial was just not fair and it's only finally just been recognised. It must be insane. Yeah, like I think I've watched like loads on like the Innocent Projects and stuff because I think it's so, so interesting. And I just don't know how people, like, obviously presuming that Adnan's, like, innocent here, uh, I don't know how people who know that innocent continue to fight for that long. Like, I just think you must get exhausted because you're like, no one believes me. Like, everything's stacked against me. And this goes sound so silly, right? But I've been, like, binge-watching Line of Duty and I'm very obsessed. But watching it, actually, I was thinking about this case because it's so easy like see if the police are like anyone wants to frame you for a crime it's not difficult like yeah and I think about that like if you how it must feel you must feel so like under pressure knowing that all this evidence stacked against you like all the lawyers the institutions like if you were Adnan it would be actually exhausting especially because he's so young like he was just a teenager when this happened like it must just feel so overwhelming like you said to have basically everything stacked against you like lawyers not doing their job properly the police wanting to basically you know shoehorn you into getting getting you guilty like the institution against you I mean we could we've touched a little bit on the kind of racism within the case as well like it must just be so exhausting it would just be so easy just to completely throw in the towel and just be like I'm never going to get anywhere with this but yeah to keep going and to keep fighting is really quite something and there were multiple appeals to overturn Judge Welsh's decision which like I think that just highlights even more like there was so much racism in that like people the prosecution in that were not stopping to overturn this decision like they were absolutely horrified that another trial was being allowed even though all this evidence like literally she'd said it's in the interest of justice of both parties like it wasn't just Adnan I know I mean it's such it's an interesting one because obviously as the police and as prosecution like you want the, the right perpetrator the true perpetrator to go to jail and if you genuinely think that that person is in jail them trying to then get a new trial and to possibly get acquitted is obviously you're not going to just let that happen but as you've said like the you know the courts have recognized that there was extreme like a big miscarriage of justice has happened here and it is in the interest of both parties that we actually see this through and give it a fair shot because just because he's getting a new trial that does not mean he's getting acquitted like that just you know he's not off the hook he still has to go through the whole trial process again so the prosecution still have a chance of getting him in jail and getting him convicted but they could just give it a bit more of an actual a fairer shot but I also yeah. think though like, if they're so worried about this new trial it kind of suggests to me that they know something a bit sketch went down they know that you know if they're like so like oh my god no we can't we can't have another trial it's as if they've kind of got something not to hide but you know what I mean like they know that there's probably some sort of leeway for someone to come back and say no you you didn't do that right you did that that was a bit shady what went down the first time we're going to do it right the second time does, does that make sense yeah no like because they know that see if it's like obviously it didn't really say but if it's 
the same prosecution lawyers or like the whole institution like they can be disbarred for go if it yeah. was obvious that they had evidence and also the fact like it's the whole you don't want the like, the whole reason that the prosecution are sometimes like especially I think in the UK reluctant to take forward like quite sensitive cases is because they need the public to trust them so mm-hmm. if they can't prosecute cases properly people don't have a just like a trust in the justice system and so on so I think here they were going to be like we actually cannot be seen to have jailed a teenage boy the wrong time like they're that's why I think like you're saying they were so desperate to kind of hide it almost yeah but the Maryland Court of Special Appeals did uphold the decision however two years later there was still no trial Brown, who was Adnan's lawyer at the time, emphasised, we are frustrated that this process is dragged on so long. Saeed was granted a new trial more than two years ago, yet he remains in jail. There is nothing we can do about this. It is the system we live in. Which I always like hate, like I always think it's so sad, like to know just like everything's like pitted against you. Like it was like see with the whole like Brock Turner, Mickey Smind like the swimmer that oh, raped. God, yeah. And, uh, and I only say swimmer, not to like be like, oh my god, he was a swimmer. I just mean that that's how I always remember it. Because I remember I was so shocked that that was the reasoning that he was mm-hmm. allowed off. That that case invokes so much anger in me. I can't even. I can't. We, we can't even get into it. Yeah, like it, that was a system built for people like him, mm-hmm. by people who look like him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people Absolutely. who look nothing like Adnan and have dealt with not, like anything he ever has, and. It's like even sad that I think like his lawyer has to just be quite honest about that and just be like, there's only so much we can do. Yeah, just it's again, it's like it's, it feels like so much is out with their control. Like they're fighting for so long, but they're they're just fighting against something and it's constantly trying to push them down. And that's just the system. So in November 2018, the Maryland Court of Appeals heard the oral arguments regarding to the final appeal. In Adnan's case, and whether actually after all this time the retrial would actually happen. After all this going back and forth, on the March the 9th of 2019, which is just under two years ago, I mean, that's mad that this is still going on. Like, this case is the same age as we are, because he was murdered in 1999, which was the year we were born. That's, this has been going on for the full length of our lives. The length of my life, even long, well, longer, because yeah. we, were born, we were born towards the end of 1999. Man, that's just mad, isn't it? It's so weird. In a shocking reversal of the decision, Maryland's highest court denied Adnan a new trial, reinstating his murder conviction and reversing the Court of Special Appeals decision from the year before. The court ruled in a four to three decision that while Syed's defence lawyer had been, quote, deficient in not calling Asia McLean to testify, her deficiency was not enough to prejudice the outcome of the trial. After the announcement, on behalf of Adnan, his lawyer Brown stated, we are devastated by the Court of Appeals decision, but we will not give up on Adnan Syed. Our criminal justice system is desperately in need of reform. The obstacles to getting a new trial are simply too great. Brown questioned the court's assertion that McLean's testimony would not have affected the outcome of the proceedings. He said, We think just the opposite is true. From the perspective of the defendant, there is no stronger evidence than an alibi witness. Mm. 
I mean, I totally agree. Like, if you can have someone that, to say, yeah, I saw him somewhere else at the time of the murder, like, you know, that's that's a big piece of evidence. How can they say that that isn't going to affect the outcome of the trial? Even if it's not going to, like, completely turn the prosecution's case on its head and be like, oh, well, they can't prove anything now. There's All it takes is that one jury member to just be like, but she said they saw him somewhere else. Like, you know, I just, it's just that little bit of, that's enough for me to get that reasonable doubt if if someone says, and other people, because like Asia's boyfriend in that as well could have said that they saw Adnan at the library. So that's enough for, if I was a juror to think, mm, I don't know, because that's what reasonable doubt is. It's that little pause that you get when you're like, oh, I just, I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me. That's enough for, for me anyway, to sit and think, actually, I'm not fully convinced. Because like, even that we were saying, like not last week, but the week before about the Casey Anthony case, that was the whole thing that the defence lawyer said at the end. He was like, right, fair enough, you maybe think she's not a great mum, like this, this, that. But if you have a doubt, a, just a slight doubt in your head that she didn't do it, you can't convict her. Exactly. And that was what I like loads of people attribute her to getting acquitted. Because yeah, it was because they were so like constantly reminding the jury. What was it they said? Um don't tell us what you think happened, tell us what was proven to have happened. Yeah. And that was like the OJ Simpson trial. Like, what was they saying again? It was like if the glove doesn't fit, you have oh, to acquit. You have to acquit. Oh yes. Yeah. And like it, it, they type of things do boot that into ju- jurors are everyday people who yeah, exactly. have emotions and cognitive processes and that type of stuff like you have to think about and it maybe does like I couldn't have it on my conscience if I have a bit of doubt and exactly just looking like unless the evidence was stacked high and my doubt was just maybe like a wee bit of like any you know like catholic guilt or something then <laughs> I would 100% have to quit because I'd be like exactly. I can't have that on my conscience so Currently at this point, Adnan has spent almost two decades in prison. So his story, which is like, it is famous to an extent, but it was like kind of just swept under the rug after he was charged with his murder. But in 2014, the podcast serial turned Hain Adnan into household names. The podcast has been downloaded over like, I think it's a hundred million times in the documentaries and like loads, sorry, and like loads of documentaries have been made to tackle the case. So, what are some of the theories surrounding this case? Did Adnan actually kill Hay, or is he innocent? There are arguments that Asia's statement is not completely reliable because she remembered the day by the fact that it was snowing, not the actual date. However, it is unknown if anyone ever found the CCTV that Asia had mentioned back in 1999. Now, this is a difficult one because I highly recommend you guys listen to the Serial Podcast if you haven't done it already, because I think it's in like the first episode. Um, it's like really early on. Um, she, the host, is it, what's her name again? Yeah, the, it's Sarah Koenig, I think. Um, mm-hmm. She says, like, if I asked you to remember this like random Thursday two years ago like you're not you're not gonna remember like we're not gonna remember that I mean obviously it's a little bit easier right now because if I asked you what what did you do on a Thursday two months ago you'd probably be like I was at home because that's all I can do but you know it's like on a normal day-to-day life you you just you can't instantly remember that so I can see like you remember the date 
by it snowing because I mean I don't even know what the date is at any given point like what's the date today I don't know I wake like, up in mornings I'm literally like I'd, like, I'll have checked my phone like I'll have got up I'll have made my like cup of tea or whatever and I'll be like what day is it like what date yeah you're just you do kind of even obviously right now it's a little bit different but even just a normal kind of day-to-day life you do kind of go into autopilot most days and you don't you know you're not constantly thinking about like what day it is what date it is what time it is like where was I at every single given point of the day so you're going to need those little things that help you remember so if it was snowing especially you know snow is quite like a everyone gets mad excited when there's snow especially you know when I mean? you were in school like you would actually exactly wasn't to go outside at like on your, your lunch or like you were like is it going to be a snow day like yeah I think is that like is a quite proper, a key factor yeah exactly like it probably helps you remember so I can kind of see why she would need that to maybe remember it but and then I can also see why the prosecution would catch on to that and start to pick holes in that and be like well that makes Mm -hmm. it unreliable um and this mystery CCTV footage we never actually found it but I mean again I can see this this is a hard one because again you can see that like she might just be saying that as as like his friend to try and help him if there's no actual way to prove it but also I mean CCTV actually looks like it was filmed on potato like you we all know that it still it looks, does never mind back in 19 exactly we're 20 years 21 years later and it still looks like that it's like you can't tell who anyone is on CCTV so like I can I can imagine if the CCTV was put in someone would be like how do we even know that that's him like you can't even you know you can't see yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like, I also think, like, I do get you would cover for your friend. Like, I understand that. But, like, knowing... I wouldn't just be like... Like, say, I wouldn't be like, oh, I saw them in, like, the Tesco, right? Because then what if they go and get the CCTV and I'm lying? That then incriminates me. I can then go exactly. to jail. Exactly. That so, puts like, you in a lot of trouble, so... So, like, how was she to know that there was no CCTV? Like, yeah. it's not... I, walking down the street, I could not tell you where there is CCTV and where there isn't. I know and I think as well like she was very adamant like she was in those letters she was like why haven't you told them why haven't you told them this do you want me to tell them are you going to tell them like you know she was very like pushy about mm-hmm. telling the police and you know that, that this happened so why would you keep being going on him if if you just made it up do you know what I mean or even yeah. if you if you were scared that maybe maybe you didn't think you made it up but maybe you thought oh what if I've misremembered that or what if I've got that wrong just my own head like you st- I still don't think you would be like so pushy about it if you thought if you had that little bit of doubt in your mind that most it wasn't people tr- I actually think would be reluctant to come forward exactly I think you would be like oh I really don't know because going to the police is scary I mean I've never had to do it but I can't imagine like that must be really quite intimidating especially in such a case like this a murder case of someone that you knew and a close friend of you is implicated like that must be really intimidating so I feel like you would only do that if you were really certain that what you had to say was valuable yeah no definitely so firstly, there's the theory that Adnan did actually kill Hay. We've already explained the facts of this case. I mean, I'm seeing facts in kind of a, you <laughs> know, air quotes. <laughs> um, I don't know. So you guys can make up your own opinion. Honestly, I don't know what I think. I really don't. I've I've done so much research on this case. I've listened to the Serial Podcast and I still, I don't know. I just can't make up my mind. I think... If I was a jury member, I probably wouldn't have convicted him. I wouldn't have said guilty purely because there's just not enough to convince me that he is. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not like championing the camp that like he definitely didn't do it. 
so I don't know I'm on the same length as that like I just think there's too much against the grain to convict them if that makes sense but there also is things like there is things that are a bit sketchy yeah but then I guess what is it people say you can make a mountain out of a molehole like exactly and that's kind of what this I think that's basically what this case is there's stuff that are like okay that's a bit sketchy but do I think it was enough for him to have killed her exactly I mean this case was very sensationalized and like you say like it's very easy in a case like this when the stakes are so high to kind of make a big deal out about nothing it might just seem like it's a big deal in this kind of context but actually when you drill it down it's like it's not like the thing with the map and the car and all that like yeah and this can in these kind of circumstances it might seem like a big deal but is it though do you know you only think it is because of the stakes are so high so mm-hmm. i don't know there's just not enough for me to be like yeah he definitely did do it secondly there's the theory that jay wilde killed lee with adnan most theories seem to include wilde's in some way but there's like little reason for a motive i mean why would why would he be fair enough if maybe if you might think that adnan had a motive but why would you why would you get involved in something like that i just i don't know for for like for what like why would you get if your friend was like i'm gonna kill my ex-girlfriend you want to do it with me like i it just, I just like, nah, I'm busy. Like, I'm fine. Like, nah, me. I'm good, thanks. Uh, <laughs> the most plausible theory is that Wilds was more involved in the murder than he maybe admits. Now, Wilds and Syed had been conversing earlier on in the day of Hayes' murder, and I, Adnan claimed that he had reached out to Wilds out of concern that he had forgotten to purchase a birthday present for his girlfriend. And that this is now kind of invited some sort of scepticism. Like, is that what the conversation was really about? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just like, they could have been talking about anything. Like, they're two guys. Like, they just could have, they're pals. They could have literally been talking about anything. Like, yeah, I feel like with the whole birthday present thing, like, that probably is a lie, right? Like, there's probably, but I can understand, like, you're in the pressure situation of, like, a police, like, uh, interrogation interview, you're stressed out. I would lie. I'd be like, oh, I phoned Joanna because I was going to ask her about, like, these flares that she'd bought, right? Oh, my God, that is the most... Oh, <laughs> guys, uh, everyone knows I literally love a pair of flares. They're, like, my one to love. Um, yeah, that's such a, that's such exactly. a thing that you wish. I'd be like, I mean, okay, I need something to talk about. I need to say that yeah. we have that reason for phoning. So I would, like, make yeah. up. And then, obviously, you just need to stick with it. I can see that he would feel the need to have, like, a topic of conversation. But then why would you, like... If friends just talk we talk shit all the time like I, if you talk if someone asked me what were we talking about like right before we started filming I don't know we were I just talking <laughs> chatting do you know what I mean like when you meet someone you meet a friend for coffee or whatever you just talk about stuff you just you just chat you don't it doesn't have to be like about a really specific topic at all times so but again I can see why in this kind of police situation especially if the police were very like tell us what happened you know we need to we need to they were so adamant of putting Adnan away for this that like they were so desperate to get anything out of anyone so I can see why you would maybe feel really pressured into giving some sort of explanation but it's just like and then like do boys do that I'm sorry I, I, I'm not a guy so I don't know but like would I would I get would one of your boyfriend's friends say to your boyfriend like oh you've not bought me would they even notice that you hadn't he hadn't bought you a present for no, your birthday like I can, not know maybe it's just a a thing with my boyfriend or whatever but no a hundred and fifty percent I cannot think of that like I could imagine like it happening 
but no, I wouldn't even be that you'd reminded that just be like, oh, what are you getting them? Or like, but no way in hell would one of them be like, oh, by the way, mate, like, you forgot. No, but Megan, a like, I'd be surprised if they knew it was my birthday. <laughs> I was actually just going to say that. Like, would any guy friends even know? Like, I'm... I just think that's like not to generalize. That's just a pure guy thing. Like, yeah. There's also the theory that Wilde killed Hay without Adnan. And this theory is based on the fact that Hay seemingly knew that Wilde was cheating on his girlfriend with Jennifer, who we mentioned in the first episode. Others suggest that Wilde killed Hay as part of a drug deal gone wrong. As is, why did I say it like that? A suspicion reinforced by Wilde's sideline as a pot dealer. I mean, I mean, we all have a little side hobby, don't we? <laughs> Everyone's got a muscle. I've got no, no disrespect, man. Mine is not pot, guys. It's not. <laughs> Do you think pot is such like a that seventy shows thing you say? I know. I've literally never even <laughs> said. I don't know why I just said it there. My mum would always describe it as like harsh and it would also make me laugh. <laughs> but also, it's very sketch that Wilde's changed his story so much. Like, is he lying or is it because he was scared of what Adnan would do if he didn't comply? Because, I mean, he said like, he said he had so many different versions about when he saw the body, didn't he? He said, oh... Adnan showed it to me at like I'm a grandma's house and then Adnan showed it to me at this place like he was he changed the story constantly which obviously is a bit kind of that's very sketch if you're doing that and maybe he felt I don't know pressured by the police or something or he was stressed but like I don't know it's very strange to me like why would he change it that many times like if you were involved wouldn't you have like a concrete like this is what happened you know, because obviously, do you not realise how shady that looks if you're constantly changing your story? Yeah, like jumping from one, to, like my thing is, like, if I was lying, I would stick to one story. Exactly. And you need, I mean, that is the kind of what liars do. Like, well, again, we said this in a previous episode, like they tend to give a lot of, lot of detail because they are so worried about get, things getting uncovered. So they'll really give more detail than a lot of people would normally give. So you're constantly, if you're lying and really don't want to be found out, like you've thought about everything that someone could ask so that you don't get found out. So I don't get why he would be constantly changing his story. Wilde said that Syed asked him to procure 10 pounds of marijuana. He said that once the marijuana was acquired, Syed then threatened to turn him in if he did not help him bury his body. I mean, I don't know. This is just very like, this. it just seems to me that it's just like thrown in there. Yeah, You know what I mean? I just don't really understand that, like weighing up the consequences of like burying a body with carrying a bit of like weed, which you could just get rid of and then be like, oh, he was lying, find it. Yeah, like how are you going to prove, like you could just flush that down the toilet and then be like, you know, I mean, I don't, well, I don't know how much, how much is 10 pounds of weed? I don't, maybe you can't flush that down the toilet, but like, <laughs> I don't know. But like, yeah, it just seems like a big like jump from if you, if you do get, if he does tell you, tell the police that you have weed. Don't they kind of, I mean, they're not, if it's like your first time, aren't they about kind of lenient with that stuff anyway? Yeah, they can I be. Know, maybe they're not, but. I think it depends on the circumstances, but I, obviously yeah. I, don't, I don't, 10 pounds, like I could tell you what 10 pounds is in anything. And no, I know. I, I don't know, like I could, you would just have to get rid of it. Like I don't really understand. Exactly, it, like, like to go from that to like burying a body, like that implicates you a lot. Like it just seems very, that you wouldn't, why would you think? Yeah, that's an even trade. <laughs> Like yeah, like when you're weighing up, you know when you do that pros and cons thing of like buying some roundabouts, you know. 
I just don't understand why he was like, oh yeah, bury the body. That definitely yeah, cancels that out. That's fair enough, lads. I'll take you up on that. Bargain, if you ask me. A bargain. So, there is also another theory, which we're kind of getting into like, the more like drips and drabs theories here, but... The, Scraping the barrels. Yeah, like the proper... like This one's actually from a Reddit link, which no shade to anyone on Reddit. Do you know what I mean? That's... It's not the most reliable place for your for your evidence, maybe. Yeah, everything needs to be taken by a pinch or so. But there was a theory that a Louisiana prisoner called Ronald Lee Moore actually killed Hay. So Serial does discuss this possibility in the final episode and an investigation by the Innocence Project linked him to the 1999 murder of Baltimore County resident Annalise Hay Yang Suck Lee. So people kind of were then putting two and two together and were like, oh, could he have been an earlier victim of Moore who had been released from Baltimore County Jail on January the 1st of that year? But, like, that's kind of all it is to it, is people putting two and two together and being like, oh, they're quite similar. Like, there's really no evidence to link it. And some people have also... I think that always happens in these cases... Some people have also accused the man of who found Hay's body, who has just only ever been identified as Mr S, which I presume is a legal thing, as Hay's killer. He did have a criminal record, but not trying to like, take the piss it, it was for streaking. Which, <laughs> streaking's like when you run about naked. Oh, right, okay. So like, it's, yeah, like it's basically if you run like about naked, it could be anywhere that's deemed a public place. So, I think that's a bit of a far fetch because I think that would be like someone getting like a breach of the peace for peeing on a wall in public, right? Yeah. And then being like, oh, because he's got a criminal record, like he has, to, like, it's a big jump. I know, it's a lot to go from walking about naked. I mean, he could have just been drunk or high when he's done that. And then, like, to go from like, being a murderer, like, it's just a bit clutching at straws. Yeah, it's a bit mental. So it kind of feels like we're back to the drawing board. In 2019, the Baltimore Sun released documents relating to DNA testing that was carried out in the fall of 2018. Per the documents, prosecutors tested 12 items that were found at the scene in Leakin Park, including Hay's necklace, clothing and fingernail clippings. None of these samples tested positive for either Syed's or Wilde's DNA. So private investigators hired by like Adnan's legal team asked Eric Irvin, who was a turf physiologist from the University of Delaware with a PhD in horticulture, which I have to say that's something new that I didn't know existed before, but sounds quite interesting, to examine the grassy lot along with photographs of the car from the day the police covered it. Numerous factors, including the freshness of the tyres, freshness of the grass blades visible in the treads, and the condition of the grass beneath the car, led Irvin to believe that the car may have been there for a week or less, which kind of like, insinuates that it had been moved there. So it was just like another thing that was brought up to be like, okay, here's another piece of evidence that's kind of making it look like this is staged. Yeah, I mean, this is just it's like we're starting to get to like the kind of drips and jabs of like random stuff coming but like it just feels like nothing's getting done about it i mean like there's no evidence 
the, the DNA evidence, any of there's no none of Syed's DNA was on any of like the samples that were tested. But I mean, it doesn't prove that he definitely didn't do it because he could have been. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much about DNA and stuff, but he could have had like they could have like worn gloves and all that. You know. I, again, it's just like that's very. It just seems very sophisticated for like a seventeen-year-old boy to carry out, and you know, like I just who's never I know I hope he's never killed anyone before but like you know to like leave no trace of DNA like it just seems very very sophisticated for a young boy who is allegedly killing it out it's kind of a revenge thing it's like out of passion you know it just seems I don't know maybe I'm not giving enough credit but yeah it just doesn't sit right with me that he that he would be able to put not well yeah be able to pull it off sorry but yeah I don't I agree. Although, I mean, I'm, to be honest, if someone said that they didn't think I'd be able to pull off a murder, I think that would actually be a compliment because I don't want to come across as like I'm some mad psycho that can pull off a murder. Like, what? I get what you mean. I get both sides. I get being offended and also being like, okay, that's quite nice. Like, you don't have <laughs> tendencies. <laughs> so, I'd be dead interested to know what you guys think. I think this case is actually mind-boggling. It kind of, only to the extent of, like, the kind of piss about with the criminal justice system reminds me of the Amanda Knox case because I've got quite a lot of opinions on the Amanda Knox case save it for a different time but oh if you guys want us to do that case let us know I because I love that case do that case well it looks like we're going to do it because we're both really into it so hope you guys I mean you guys can tell us if you want us to do that or not but I mean even you know, if you don't we're probably, probably going to do it so yeah and I've just I could talk about that case for hours but it kind of reminds me of that to the extent that like how messed up the system was that took like with the Amanda Knox case like I think you'll never either or way I don't think we'll ever know because yeah. how bad the system was like it gave no chance of actually finding what happened so guys that brings us to the end of our first ever two-parter we hope you guys mm. enjoyed it I actually really enjoyed doing it this way I thought that was quite fun um so yeah we hope you guys enjoyed this kind of style if you want us to do more kind of cases like this kind of more in-depth cases over a few episodes definitely let us know because we would absolutely do that because it was really yeah really i really like the structure of this i thought it was quite fun yeah. a nice deep dive <laughs> <laughs> into the case so thank you so much for listening guys and um, we hope you're all doing safe and well um hopefully by the next time we speak to you i won't be will i be in still in isolation i probably I, will be actually i think no a week maybe i'll just be maybe. finishing um so stay tuned for the updates guys come back next week to find out um how i'm getting on <laughs> if i'm still <laughs> if i'm still stable by the end uh who am i kidding we were never stable to begin with <laughs> um, um thank you guys so much for listening we hope you enjoyed it make sure to follow us on all the socials give us those apple podcast reviews you know we're always going to be on at you for it we appreciate you all so much for listening and yeah we'll see you next week bye bye guys <laughs>